Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. Today, I'm joined by a guest I'm very excited for you guys to listen to. He is a young and up-and-coming podcaster, but I will tell you this, he's probably one of the most focused podcasters I've spoken to as of recently and uh, literally has inspired me by the moment, and I'm so glad to have him on the show. John Menendez, thanks for joining us today. It is an honor to have you here, and I am super pumped, my friend. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time now. I'm glad we were able to get this on a schedule. I'm excited to see where our conversation takes us. Yeah, same here. You know, we met a couple months back uh, through a mutual friend, and it was just great that the connection that was made. And and honestly, it was interesting at the time. Some of the things you were talking about probably didn't even register with me until today. And really, you know, a couple of weeks passing after that is, you know, this world that we're in, this crowded space that we call podcasting. Um, I love what you said. Quentin, the minute I put my focus into podcasting and I put all of my energy and effort into it, like my show took off. I have over a hundred guests scheduled for the show and you've already completed 35 of them, which is amazing. And, and case in point, you're joining us right now after just being on a panel for Grant Cardone. How big was that, my friend? I mean, that was an amazing experience, honestly. So a little bit of context. So I dropped the reel. This is back almost October, September-ish of last year. And it was, uh, I used a clickbaity title. Uh, so uh, it got a little shameful, but nevertheless, I want some views. So I used a clickbaity title. I was like, how to invest in real estate like Grant Cardone? Because the guy speaking, it was a clip from my show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Grant Cardone in the clip. And so one of the people from the 10X stage agency had reached out originally. It was like, hey, while we can't get you in contact with Grant himself, we do have a bunch of speakers here in the 10X stage agency that we work with. And we love to get them potentially on your platform if they are fit. Are you open to looking for podcast guests? I love and it. I was like, yeah, show me over some people. So <laughs> that opened the door. And then fast forward, there was one guy who was supposed to hop on a show that never scheduled a time. So I reached back out in early January and it was like, hey, John, thanks for following up. I'll send that over to him. In the, meanwhile, uh, in the meantime, we actually just got a new round of speakers and we have this event coming up. And so it was like, would you be interested? And I was like, um, okay, I think about it. And I didn't really know what it was, if it was a scam or not, because it was mm-hmm. like Grant Cardone, right? This is, right. So it's like, I was like, once I read the email fully, I agreed. And then next thing you know, I was live just a couple hours ago from the time we were, or just a couple minutes ago from the time we were recording this um, and going live. And it was like getting to see them. I know they're all in person. It's nowhere near the same thing, but I was on a Zoom mm-hmm. and there's a hundred other people. Some of the people that were in the judges as well are people whose books I've read and people who are in the media space that I've been following. So it was like a, you know, a pretty successful group of judges as well. So I was honored to be on there. Yeah. You know, when you find yourself in that kind of company, you're like, wow, like I'm in the moment right now and uh, super cool. And I mean, anything Grant Cardone is attached to, it's going to be hard to pass on. So, and I love yeah. the, uh, I love the idea and the notion, you know, I said shameful comment or shameful plug out there. But the reality is, you know, I think we both have learned in life that, you know, the answer to all the questions you don't ask. And so if you don't put it out there, man, people are going to not notice you and not, not hear, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. So speaking of hearing and what you're accomplishing, let's talk a little bit. You've got a podcast. I love the name of it, by the way, Walk to Wealth. You want to talk to me a little bit about that and how you came up with that title and the meaning behind that? Yeah. So for me, I never had this in the plans. This was something, this entrepreneurship space that I'm in now is something I never originally was thinking about. I grew up in a project. It was nine of us in a two bedroom. Father was absent. Mom suffered with mental health issues. So me and never her, me and her never had a great relationship because it's hard mm-hmm. to understand that stuff as a kid. Mm-hmm. And so my Dominican grandparents raised me. So money was always tight. Entrepreneurship was never something I ever thought of. And fast forward a little bit. I'm in college now. I'm a sophomore in college. And then ended up reading the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And Great now it's book. the middle of the pandemic, fall 2020. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it's like, 
well, there's another way of viewing the world out there that wasn't being taught at home. And so after that, that winter break, I just doubled down and started listening to podcasts and books and watching YouTube videos on double speed. And by the time I came back that spring semester, I was like, man, I don't see the light anymore. So with the whole world <laughs> being uncertain, you know, uncertain, the only thing I was certain was my, uh, uncertain of was myself. Mm-hmm. So I decided to bet on me. I signed up for a real estate class and then I stopped showing up to my college classes. And then fast forward a little bit more around summer, one of my guys was like, hey, John, we should start a podcast. And he ended up going back to college. I was pursuing real estate at that time. So I didn't end up procrastinating for another four months, but it finally hit me, walk to wealth. And the meaning behind the name is for the 99% of us that aren't overnight sensations, it's a long walk to wealth. And some may walk quicker than others, but what good is sprinting to the finish line if you pass out when you cross it? Oh man, I love that. I love that. You know, those that's a, that's a strong words of wisdom from such a, a young person. So uh, I think that's phenomenal there. And, you know, I, I love the story and I love the background and I love what you're providing. You've got over 70, excuse me, close to 70 episodes already recorded. Um, you know, and I think the guests and everything that you bring to the podcast world is uh, super appreciated. So thanks for what you do there. So let's talk a little bit about you know, you've got some things on the horizon and uh, you got some great ideas out there. I mean, you're full. In, in the pre-show, we had about 30 minutes. I've already written down about four things that I'm going to do that uh, you were saying, I got this going and I got that and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And uh, and you're doing it all phenomenally <laughs> and on a budget too, which is even more, more you know, impressive. But Briefly, let's talk about this this hundredth episode celebration. You know, I was listening to it on your episode, and then I was telling my producer, "I'm like, golly, like this is this is a great idea." But it's what you led with at the conversation. You're like, "Man, I don't know if you know, but I got this coming up." Um, you want to talk briefly about what you got going on there and kind of promote that 100th episode that you got going on? I love this idea. You could use this for anything, by the way. Thank you so much. So for the hundredth episode, it's going to be May third, and what I'm doing is I like making events. Whether it's in person or virtual, I just like I like having a reason to tie something together. And so I hosted my first in-person event. I got the idea from the guys over at Earn Your Leisure. They pretty much sold out Madison Square Garden, did an in-person podcast interview. And so like me, I was like, oh, I can't sell out Madison Square Garden, but I can get something going locally. And so for me, I tried to do my first one and I did it successfully. I had 16 people show up in December, but now for this 100th episode, I'm going to make it big. So I'm doing a big giveaway. I'm going to raffle off a ticket to FinCon. It's going to be a one-hour coaching session with me, one-hour coaching session with one of my guys who's a, a, a personal, a public speaker and a business coach. It's going to be a swag bag with a shirt and two of my favorite books. And then the replay to my virtual summit that I'm doing next month. So it's over $2,000 worth of value. And all that's I'm going to be doing is to enter is pretty much as give a five-star review of the podcast, take a screenshot and then post it on the Instagram and tag me. And that's automatic entry into the giveaway. And so I'm tying that around the event. I'm also looking to do get some press behind it. So there's a local page called Hey Stanford. So if you have a local page over and down in Florida, you know, try to connect with some of these local pages. And mm-hmm. I'm going to connect with them to try to get some more publicity behind it. And I'm trying to find someone from the Board of Realtors in my, in my city that it has a connect news to out or a Stanford advocate. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to make a big press release behind it to make it this whole big thing and really put this podcast and evolve it from not just a weekly episode, from, but from a movement that's actually going on. Man, that's fantastic. And, and you could do that with any business. It doesn't have to be podcasts. I love the fact that you're celebrating a, a milestone in your career. And mm-hmm. you're asking your friends, your families, your colleagues, guests, people, your customers, if you may, to come and celebrate this with me. 
you know, I want to honor you as well. And I want to put it out there. I think that's just such a, a phenomenal idea. So as we kind of back up and talk a little bit about what got you into podcasting, I think by this point, you're probably the third person I've had on my show. That's a podcaster. And I think that kind of speaks to the space uh, of podcasting, you know, and uh, as we've recently found out one of the headquarters for podcasting is right here in Jacksonville, Buzzsprout mm-hmm. um, is right here. And there's just, a, there's a lot of people in this space. As you got into it, you know, obviously you made a comment earlier in the pre-show. You said, listen, I got in, I bought in the idea of subscribing. Like everybody's going to want to subscribe or, or my content's so good. Why wouldn't you subscribe? And you were quickly hit with kind of a wake up, if you may. So let's talk a little bit about what happened there and why you had to pivot. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I don't want to sell out my show quite yet. You know, I don't <laughs> want to just get an ad that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm offering in terms of value and education to the people that I'm trying to reach. So I wasn't Fair just going to have a random ad person. And if to, for to partner with someone that I actually wanted to partner up with, I'd probably need to be a little bit more established as a show. So that opportunity was out the window. <laughs> and then that left sponsors. But then it's also like, well, sponsors are probably going to want some type of ROI, mm-hmm. especially if they're a smaller business. And even if they're a bigger business, they're definitely going to be checking their KPIs and stuff like that. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's kind of out the window too. Because at that time, my show wasn't that established yet. And so I was like, you know, the only thing that I could probably try is because I don't have my own offer that I'm selling yet that I could just partner up the show with. I'm just going to do a subscription route, kind of like mm-hmm. Netflix and all these other platforms. And I think I have a pretty good show. I've been doing some good work to get better and get better at interviewing and get better at speaking. So it's like, you know, I'm going to make a subscription based model and just have people subscribe that want extra content. Right. And then I dropped the video like December doing like this big promo or shout out for the subscription and then no one signed up. And then my friend who said he was going to sign up, <laughs> never signed up. Me, this is my friend that said he's going to sign up. The one person I depended on left me hanging. Oh, Sorry, he, he ended up not signing up. He still helps me out with all my ideas though because he's my ideal avatar. When I drew up my avatar, he pretty much fits the description exactly. So I always go to him for when I have ideas, but like he forgot to sign up because he was busy. And then I was like, well, you know, I'll just put this, you know, in the end of my podcast episode. And I think that last part, because Buzzsprout helps you track, you know, the the mm-hmm. post rolls that you put into your show. Yeah. And I had like over 300 downloads, just the post roll. So I was like, okay. So if people would listen to this and no one subscribed and they said like the conversion rate is like 2%. So at 2% conversion, 300 downloads, I should have had at least six people. Yeah. Assuming they're unique listeners. So maybe two to six people at least. And I didn't have anyone. So I was like, well, let me just uh, kind of put the pause on this and get back to the drawing board. And Alex Harmozzi talks about the longer the runway, the larger the plane that can take off, right? Sure. So if you just jab, jab, hook, you can ask for something pretty strong. But if you just keep on jabbing, eventually the people will ask you to hit them, right? They're going to want to work with you. If you give them enough value and they don't give you anything in return, it's the law of reciprocity. So I'm Always. like, well, I just have to put more effort into providing the best stuff, the best value, the best content and growing my audience and cultivating that community. And then eventually, when it's time, the community will tell me what they want. And then I'll just create what they want. So if that's a personal finance course, I'll just do that. If that's one-on-one coaching, I'll just do that. But instead of trying to create the thing that hopefully the community wants, I'll just grow the community. And eventually someone will say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And I was like, hey, does everyone else struggle with this? Oh, you guys are? Well, yeah. that's what I'm doing. I'm about to and go then find some guests like and make an episode. Yeah. So how many downloads are you up to currently? Yeah, so we just hit 3,500. Dude, uh, literally the, like midnight. Thank you, man. It's been a, this past month of February, we're on track right now to do 700 downloads this month. So it's nice. been quite the, you know, the long journey. And yep. 
I was very naive and thought that just because I can do some social media reels that it was going to increase my downloads and that didn't end up working out yep. and just dropping weekly episodes that people were going to show up. So I didn't do any paid marketing or advertising. I wasn't too deep into like a marketing strategy. I thought if I just drop good episodes, people will magically find my show. And I thought that guests would, you know, promote my show as much as I do. And I was very naive to think that. Uh, so it wasn't until December that I really started doubling down. But it, once I started doing it, it ended up December being my third best month now. And then last month was even better. And then now we're, we're headed back in the right direction. I got yeah. to speak at PodFest Expo last month as well. Uh, so that opened up a lot of doors and opportunities. Thank you. And so like now we're headed in the right direction and it's just keeping that that ball rolling now. Yeah. Would you say you have a younger audience? Like if you were to describe oh, yeah. your, your audience, like if someone said, hey, Giant, tell me who my your ideal audience is. What are we talking about here? Yeah, so my ideal audience, if we want to get to the specifics, right? It's a 20-year-old guy, a young man that grew up probably in the inner city, went to public schools, probably didn't have both parents around, grew up lower to middle class, and they probably are either contemplating going to college or maybe kind of in college thinking about maybe I should go another route. And they're trying to get into entrepreneurship, but never really learned anything about business or money mm -hmm. in school, so don't know which route to take. That is the person who is my ideal avatar. Yeah. That, that guy who, because that was me, right? That was me. And so I was just like, and I had to realize too that I thought that I could be my own ideal avatar, but I had to realize that the same reason I'm making the show isn't the same reason why people are tuning in. Yeah. So I had to separate the ideal avatar yep. from who I am because I am not the person I'm trying to reach out to. I'm trying to reach out to the person I was. You right? know, we hear, so we hear all the that time the content help. that you like isn't necessarily the content the audience wants to hear. Sometimes there's this disconnect mm. that happens like, oh, I like it, therefore they'll like it. And that's not always the case when it comes to podcasting. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So you met, back up a little bit because I want to unpack a statement you made. You said, hey, listen, during COVID, it was locked down. Now you're in Connecticut, correct? Yes. So it's a different type of environment in 2020, 2021 than what we had here in Florida. So you're truly on lockdown. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's locked down. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to pour myself into Rich Dead, Poor Dead uh, by Robert Kiyosaki. One of my favorite books, you know, my father-in-law. So, you know, I graduate college. And getting through four years, you're hammered with the reading. You're going through, you're like, man, I've been studying and reading. He gives me a book. I'm like, dude, really? This is what you're giving me when I graduate? A book? He's like, no, man, it's a gift. And I'm like, sorry, table it. I'm not prepared to, I'm not prepared to be in this moment to read it. Uh, a year later, there's a fork in the road that's happening in my life. And I decide to cop the audio and, and listen to it at this time with uh, my girlfriend, who is now my wife. And we listened to this double disc, if you may, and uh, it changed my life forever. And I, I realized the gift he was giving me. And at the time, he was not my father-in-law. He was my, my girlfriend's father. But I realized the gift he was giving me. What an amazing book. Um, and you know, and if you're not ready to listen to it, you're, you're not going to do it. But in your case, what prompted you to be ready to listen to it? What prompted you to go, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go get this and see what he has to say? Yeah, the, this is a one question I can never answer when I hop onto these podcasts. Okay. Because I genuinely don't know, man. It's the From what I can remember... The last thing, because during the pandemic, as I said, we were kind of really locked down. So mm -hmm. it was like every day was the same day for a while. So my like memory kind of blurs. Yeah, exactly. Every single day. So the last thing that I can remember before going to Barnes & Noble and buying that Rich Dad Poor Dad, it was in September. I When Tesla had their 5-1 stock split at that time, this is what, fall 2020. So... 
Tesla's stock price ended up going to like 300 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was still working at the restaurant. And one of my friends, he worked as like the concierge at this very fancy, you know, you know, high rise apartment building. And so we would always get off around the same time around like 11 PM or close to midnight. We would both walk home. So he ended up going downtown. I was split up to go on to the West side, but we'd always talk on the way before we split. And one day he was like, yo, John, like, Hey, uh, you know, we're getting this college reach fund because we're not rooming and boarding anymore. Everything was at home. Yeah. It was like, you, I think you should definitely invest in Tesla. Like, it's going to be a good opportunity just doing this 5-1 stock split. I don't know what any of that <sighs> stuff means at the time. I'm just like, yeah, okay. Why aren't you doing it? That I always have a little bit of skepticism. Sure. Right? And he was like, oh man, because honestly, he lived with his sister and uh, his sister's son at the time because their parents back in Haiti. He was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I got, a, I got a lot going on at home right now. So he couldn't do it. And so for me, I thought it was very honorable that despite he couldn't invest in the opportunity, he still shared it with me because a lot of yeah. people keep the cards closer to their mm-hmm. to their chest when they know they can't because it's like, if I can't have it, no one else can. But he shared that with me. So I kind of just took his word for it and invested in Tesla. And I think that was the first kind of big seed that was planted that ended up leading me to eventually getting into that. And so I, that's the, the furthest back, the closest thing I can remember leading up to reading that book that yeah. probably... And inspired me to do so. Yeah, you got a friend there for sure. Someone that uh, is operating from a place of abundance, not a place of scarcity, you know, and, and obviously truly caring a little bit of, more about others than himself, which is why he would make such a recommendation. But, you know, the interesting part about that book is uh, it's structured around, um, really around the falsities that were taught in school and the lack of capitalism and the lack of entrepreneurship. And I think that's a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe not be the exact words, but that's a little bit about what your show is about and about that walk to wealth that you're trying to encourage young people to take a look at is, you know, I told our producer for you got on the show, I said, you know, the interesting take I took from our conversation when we first met was you were so pumped. You were talking to our, to one of our friends and he said, listen, man, I'm trying to trying to teach people. It doesn't, you don't have to have $10,000 to be a millionaire. It can start with $10, but you got to understand where it starts. And I loved that idea. I loved that concept because there's not a lot of people that really kind of relate it such as you did. And I imagine you're having extreme success with your audience and extreme success with your communication about how to help people develop. Do you want to share some tactics with people, uh, with our audience in particular that you're using with the younger generation to help them understand that? Yeah. So the from interviewing everyone from the books I've read from the podcast I listen to, I think it's come down to four main pillars. Okay, it's mindset, it's personal finance, it's entrepreneurship, and real estate, in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And it's usually in that order. Yeah. Sometimes three and four are the same thing because sometimes you get into real estate as an agent or as an investor to start off. So that's kind of like you know killing two birds with one stone. But for me, and this is what the journey that I'm currently experiencing right now, I'm currently in step three right now. I'm trying to get this entrepreneurship uh, <laughs> stuff going on the road. And I, the way I kind of portray this information, illustrate this information to people my age is really just doing so in a way that's casual. I feel like a lot of times when this personal finance industry, a lot of the content is geared towards millennials, it's geared towards you know business professionals that right. just don't know how to really manage their money and things like that. And for like people my age, it's like, if it's, if it's not about flexing cars, things like that, it's a hard audience to really grasp. Honestly, it's a hard, it's one of the harder audiences, I feel like, to really grasp their attention because do you, we're do you think not most to people you, at this age. But do you think that's because yeah. of the pressure that they see to want to be online or the pressures that they're surrounded by or the false narrative? Do you think that's a little bit of what it is? I think, I think there's, it's, it's a multivariate question, okay. a, a problem, right? That we have to kind of deconstruct. And the first of which is that, 
just humans in general, especially in the Western world, are very materialistic, right? Absolutely. That's why so many rich people have depression. That's why so many rich people commit suicide. It's like, cause they chase that and then they realize like they got to the end of the road and it's like, well, I kind of did all this for shiny <laughs> objects and then I got the shiny objects and now my life is miserable, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. that's one of the issues that people have to face. So it's like, but that also is the same thing that attracts them. It's like the idea of having that, that chocolate covered carrot, right? Mm-hmm. You have the chocolate around, so they see it and they get attracted to it. But in reality, it's a carrot because you need the veggies, right? So it's one of those things where it's like you have to pre- you have to present the information in a way that makes them even interested. And that's why I felt like I had a good chance with my show taking off because the audience I'm trying to reach are the same age group of the people I went to high school with and mm-hmm. the people I went to college with. So it's like, I'm still in it. And the thing that separates me from most people, I'm still an arm's reach away. The ship hasn't sailed yet. You could still hop on board and join me on the walk to wealth, right? If so, to use well, a little bit of a play on words, but it's like I'm still about to embark, and so it's like I'm literally sharing. And one thing I didn't do, which I feel like was a little bit of a disservice to my audience, is once I got started doing interviews, I thought you know because these are the more professional people that they have more advice and expertise to share. But it's like the same reason why people tune in is or started tuning is was for me, for my story. And so I started doing a bunch of interviews. So now I'm just now this year starting to get back a little bit more into the raw, more vulnerable off the cuff solo episodes where I just share like, Hey, here's what happened last month. Here's where I'm at. Here's what I got going on. Here's something that I learned. And so it's like just being very raw. We're in a day and age where it's like, there's an oversaturation of information and a starvation for community, for connection. So it's like trying to create that community and connection by just being transparent, also having the guest, you know, the guest experts come on, mm-hmm. but it's like just sharing more of the raw, real side of me that really makes people resonate and feel like, hey, I can, I can, I can connect with John. I can hear John what he's saying, and I can hear how he interviews these people and how when he interviews them, he's asking questions that he's genuinely curious about, right. not just like a script of here's the seven questions that they had on their one sheet. <laughs> it's like he's genuinely curious when they, he interviews these people because he wants us to get the information in a way that we can grasp and start using in our life. Yeah, and getting back to, that's a great answer, and getting back to those pillars, you know, I interrupted you there and I apologize, but no you know, you're stuck in that third one right now, you know, but every time I hear someone talk about what's going on in the world today, and let me sum up the last really 18 months and what it takes to be successful, no matter how you define it, it's, it's, it's your mentality. It 100%, 100% of the time, everyone leads with, well, you got to have a positive mindset. It's all about mindset, mindset, mindset. And I think that's such a, um, it's such a common denominator that it's hard to ignore. You know, mm-hmm. and there's some people that say, well, you know, it, you can be fake. Well, there's a difference between being positive and being fake. You know, there's a difference between accepting things that are going to happen in your life and, and being grateful about it or being resentful. And, you know, and I think that's how we have to take a look at everything that comes about or otherwise we're going to be buried and lost and not getting that level of success. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And... The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, 
or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. I feel like the mindset portion then could be stemmed into two parts, right? Mm -hmm. There's the reflection portion, which is you just looking back at your life and seeing like what on earth transpired that led me to where I am today? And is this the place that I wanted to arrive at at this point in time? And if it's not, you have to start reflecting. You have to start looking back at your life. You start to start figuring why you tick. What makes you do what you do? What makes you wake up in the morning makes you excited? It's a lot of reflection that I had to do before I even really started this journey because there was so much stuff that I just had swept under the rug because life kind of just forced you, especially as a man, I feel. It's like we're just taught to just go, 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 go. And it's like, you know, never look back to check if you got an arrow on your back. It's like, yeah. Uh, I do. Uh, didn't realize it. Let me keep pushing forward. Right. It's like I feel like that first part is really like reflection, and then the second part is transformation. Mm-hmm. Now that you know like what you have wrong, now it's like how do I evolve into the person I need to become? Jim Rohn talks about it all the time. It's like not about making a million dollars. It's about the person you become along the way to make a million dollars. Right. Right. Are you a person that makes millions, or are you just a millionaire? Right. Mm-hmm. You just have a million dollars in the bank. And so it's like a lot of transformation. And one thing I realized is as I've been transforming and growing and investing myself is that nothing r- helps you more to put your limiting beliefs and your insecurities and your fears into light than talking to someone who's already made it. And you have to explain yourself why your excuses as to why you didn't make it are justified. And so it's like, because some of these people have gone through even worse. So it's like you right. have to pretty much explain to them, justify your own excuses to the people. And so there've been times that I've been trying to explain my story and it's like, well, I have this limiting belief that I didn't even know I really had. So it's something that's like ever going because as you start explaining yourself and as you start thinking bigger, it's like you would just uncover more stuff that that was swept under the rug. Yeah, you know, and if, uh, if you fight for your beliefs, I'll let you have them. That's what I always tell my kids when they say, dad, I can't, we can't, we can't. I'm like, you know, if you want to fight for your limiting beliefs, I'll let you have them. Because the reality is until you let go of those, you're putting a ceiling on your success. And then you have to operate from a ceiling breakthrough. And that's tough. You know, getting a ceiling breakthrough usually takes a coach. It takes someone else on the side to help you do that. But those limiting beliefs are some of the worst things you can adapt in your life. And we're so hard on ourselves with words like, I can't. I won't like, I can't believe I did that. I'm not, I'm so stupid. You know, like that kind of stuff we we beat ourselves down. It's real hard um, sometimes to, to, to tell yourself positive affirmations. And some people look at that and like kind of chalk it up to like, you know, oh, that's crazy. I'm not doing that. But the reality is like, that's, you know, that's part of that, that, that look back you talked about. And then that looking forward there, you know, you got to have that positive affirmation in your life along with that positive mindset to kind of move forward, to have that walk to wealth, if you may. Yeah. And to add on to that point, one of the things that, so I'm not the most astute philosopher, right? But I love the way that philosophy teaches people how to think. And one of the things that I kind of came up with, I feel, and if someone trademarked this, I'm sorry, but I feel like I kind of came up with this. And it's like that words mean absolutely nothing and absolutely everything at the same time. Because I could say, yeah, I don't care. And, you know, words, when you really think about it, just letters put together, right? We sure. assign meaning, we assign values to these words that we're saying. Mm-hmm. It's like, eh, some some words don't really mean much. But then also, if I give you my word and you then go against it, 
you lost all my trust and you are no longer viewed the same because we assign meaning. So it reminds me of this one story that someone shared on my show that was like super, just shifted my paradigm. And it was pretty much, there was a farmer and his son and they had this farm and there was two horses on the farm and they were taking care of the farm. The fence breaks down, the horses run away. Mm-hmm. People from the village come and it's like, wow, that must suck, man. Your horses ran away. It was like, maybe. The next day or a week later, I believe, a wild horses came back. It was a group of 14. Now the two horses came back with a whole, I think they're called a flock, a horse or a herd of horses. There you go. Herd. And it was like 14 of them. Yeah. And so it's like the people from the village came back. It's like, oh my goodness, that's so amazing. Like you have all these horses now. It's such a good thing. And he was like, maybe. Then a couple of days passed, the son's taking after the, the horses and one of the wild horses ends up breaking the son's arm. And then the people from the village come again. Oh, that must suck, man. Your son's injured now. I guess you, it was better off that you didn't have the wild horses. Father says, maybe. Then a day after that, the people from the government come by and now they're drafting all the firstborn sons to bring them into war. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get drafted because he was injured. People right. from the village came back and he said, wow, you are so lucky. That must be amazing. Father said, maybe. The more behind the story is that we assign meaning to everything in life. Right. So we have to decide consciously what we choose to assign meaning to. And if those things that we are assigning meaning to don't serve us, then we have to stop that dead in its track and switch you know, that meaning onto other things. That's called the meaningful seed, by the way. It that, is? That the story? story is called that. Yeah, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's an old, old story, testament of time. Um, it's a, some even use it as like a proverb format, but that's what that is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I believe I saw a reel on Instagram where someone actually made that whole story like that. It was a, it was a husband telling his wife or something mm-hmm. of that nature, but yeah, no, that's what it's, you nailed it. I mean, you told the story perfectly. And I think that, uh, you know, that is how I, I to kind of sum that up a little differently. I had, a, I have a, um, a mentor and I, I love him to death. And, and if he's listening to the show, he'll remember this, but he uses this term. The problem with people is that we are married to the outcome at all times. So in this particular case, I was buying a commercial building and I was buying it with him. And, and the real estate agent was like, Hey, I don't know that they're going to accept your offer the way it is. And the entire time he's like, Nope, they'll take it. I feel very confident. And here's why. And he's calling all the shots in the meantime, like, Hey, we just got to up it. He's like, no, we don't. And I'm like, if we don't, we're not going to get this building. And this isn't going to happen. And we're not gonna be able to move in. And then we won't have this location and that. And he goes, ah, you are so married to the outcome right now. You see yourself in that building. You see, and some people see themselves, insert building for car, house, whatever it is, jacket. You see yourself in it that you will do anything and you will sacrifice principles to obtain that outcome because you're married to the outcome. And that has stuck with me for years since he said that. And I have found myself sharing that story with other people that I know, explaining right now, you are married to the outcome is the problem. And the minute you're not, the minute your decision-making will be better. Yeah, it's, it goes back to the law of detachment, right? Mm-hmm. The people who have all the money have all the money because they don't care if they have all the money. Right? <laughs> the guy at, in high school who has all the chicks has all the chicks because <laughs> he doesn't care about any of the care. chicks. That's right. right. It's the law of detachment and it, it shows up in almost every area of life. It's So you have to spend time in the beginning visualizing so you can get a clear picture of it. But once you have that clear picture, it's like, I don't care. That's right. right? Detach yourself from that because also disappointment comes from expectations. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if you're not fixated on it, if you're not, you know, 
you're just like, oh my goodness, I got to get this. Or like most people sit on the rent. That's why they're always struggling. But it's like, if you know that once you find that, that flow, that zone of genius that you're supposed to be operating in, it's like things will start coming to you and opportunities start opening for you. And like, for me, it took me a while to realize that because I was just spreading myself so thin that I was just getting like thin blessings in each area. But like, once I just doubled down and focus, it's like all oh, the blessings kind of got funneled into that one area that's finally decided to focus on. And just like, now things are starting to open in ways that I didn't foresee. And it's like, it's been so much more fulfilling, so much more exciting, fun. I get on these podcasts and it's like, there's a genuine smile for anyone listening oh, yeah. to the audio. You can't really see my face, but like there's a genuine smile and just change of energy when I just hop on and have a great conversation with somebody. And it's like, I know I'm in the right place. I'm no, I'm in my zone of genius. And it's like, once you find that, it makes things so much simpler. Oh yeah. And if you guys want to see John Smalley's talking about checking our <laughs> YouTube channel on there, you'll see it on full blast as well as on our social medias. Check us out on all channels there. You'll see that smile coming through here on the, on the zoom meeting that we're having right now. So John, I got to ask you this. Um, I, I was thinking about this earlier, you know, you said, Hey, listen, I don't want just any sponsor for this show. I don't want to be, uh, I usually use the word, I don't want to sell out. I don't want to tap out yet, but you know, what kind yeah. of sponsor are you looking for? Let's go ahead and put that out there. I always like asking this question. Give me, give me a couple of sponsors you're looking for to say, hey, listen, this would be my ideal sponsor. Yeah, I'd probably look for Charles Schwab. Okay. Ally Bank, because those are, you know, those those are, are why I use my checking and saving. Um, Mint is another good one. YNAB, you need a budget for anyone that doesn't know the acronym. Um, those are two good ones that I would love to, because that's ones that I've used. M1 Finance is another one that I would love to have as a, uh, as a sponsor potentially. Uh, those are just apps that I use, personal finance app that I use. Maybe Self. Um, okay. It's a credit builder app. And that's how I started building my credit. And um, let's see, maybe Chase just because I love an Amex because I, I have a bunch of Chase cards. I have like close to like 350,000 points almost now. <laughs> and then I haven't got my first Amex card yet, but I, I plan on running up the points there once I, I transfer over and um, start getting some of their cards. But those will probably be the first off the top of my head. And then if I were to do maybe like other podcasts, maybe like do like podcast promos, some of the podcasts that helped me out the most was like Bigger Pockets mm -hmm. and things like that. And then some of the content creators that helped me out the most were this guy named Andre Jick. He helped me out with uh, looking into index funds and, mm -hmm. you know, dividends. And this guy named Graham Stephan, uh, this other guy named Brian Jung. He's more of a crypto guy now, but he used to be big in the credit world. Gotcha. Uh, this guy named Credit Sh uh, Shifu and Axebi. Those are probably like the people who influenced me most while I was in that winter break period. I was just like sure. going ham with all the videos and yeah. the podcasts and stuff like that. Man, right on. Well, I'd say post-show, I will try to connect you to the credit rehab and the credit improvement um, side of sponsorship. Uh, we have quite a few connections there and I'll make sure that I uh, share that content information with you. And hopefully that'll spark something there for you is maybe to add read or something of that nature. That would be amazing, man. Yeah, I man. appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, John, it was a pleasure having you on this show today. I know you are a busy man, uh, as just coming from Grant Cardone's 10X to <laughs> what's your one more podcast, but you want to tell the audience how they can find out more about Walk to Wealth and where they can check you out at? Yeah. First, I just want to say a big thank you to you, man. You've gotten a call with me, not knowing anything about me months ago. And you seen something in me that I didn't really see at the time because at that time I was still a little distracted. But, uh, you know, so thanks again for the opportunity. I'm really honored to be here. And so if anyone found anything valued that I've said or is interested at all in my conversation today that I had with you, Quentin, uh, go check me out at walktowealth.com. It's www.walk, the number two, wealth, 
www.thepodcastnetwork.com. That's where you can find a podcast. That's where you can find all the social media channels. And it'll be great uh, to you know, just one of you guys to just DM me if you found something valuable and I'll definitely spark up a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And if you do uh, shoot him a DM, he calls you out on the show for the content. So you'll definitely get an ad read from him on that. I love that. Um, but guys, you know, if you if you get a chance, check him out. It's a great podcast and all of his content is excellent on IG as well. And if you want to hear more from our show, give us a five-star rating on Apple, Spotify, or Google and check us out on YouTube and on our social channels as well. We'd love to hear from you guys. John, thanks again for being on the show. It was great to have you today. Thanks again. It was a pleasure. I got one more shot. I'm going to make it. One more chance. I'm going to take it. I meant it when I said it. Now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live. So I put all into it. Yeah.